Today on Media Download, from Montclair State University and WMSC-FM, the latest on technology. Digital privacy is a concern. Streaming is king. It's trending now. And media issues. Let's start with the presidential campaign. The frontrunner is firmly in the lead in every national poll. What's the press's responsibility? I will not give him the credit he probably sought prior to this horrific and cowardly act. And top business headline news. It's online streaming versus Hollywood. Hello and welcome to Media Download. I'm Tom Franklin, multimedia and journalism professor at Montclair State. Today our guest is our very own Steve McCarthy. For those of you who don't know Steve, he is an award-winning TV producer and independent filmmaker with over 30 years experience producing for 60 Minutes, NBC Dateline, and others. Welcome Steve to Media Download. Thanks for having me. I'd like to talk today about a number of topics, including the recent passing of Jimmy Breslin, who I know you had gotten to know very well. I'd also like to talk about your recent trip to India. But first off, this past Sunday, 60 Minutes aired a story you produced with Anderson Cooper, Attack in Garland, about an ISIS incident in Texas. Before you tell us about that story, we're going to listen to a short clip. Can you set that up for us, Steve? Yeah, this is the open of the show with Anderson Cooper sort of setting the table. And uh, what happened, why this piece aired on Sunday, probably was because of the London attacks on Wednesday. When those happened, we realized that that attack was very similar, ISIS-inspired, to the attack that we were doing the research and the reporting on, which I'll take you through. But let's listen to how Anderson sets it up because this is classic 60 Minutes, sort of setting the table with a news event that happened this week, making it relevant, but also at the end delivering this little twist. Stay tuned. You're going to hear a surprise here. Wednesday's terror attack in London by a man who'd been known to British law enforcement is just the latest reminder of how difficult it is to prevent an attack before it takes place. Here in the U.S., in just the past three years, more than 100 people have been arrested for ISIS-related crimes. The FBI devotes significant resources to identifying potential terrorists and sometimes spends years tracking them. The terror attack in Garland, Texas, two years ago, was the first claim by ISIS on U.S. soil. It's mostly been forgotten because the two terrorists were killed by local cops before they managed to murder anyone. In looking into what happened in Garland, we were surprised to discover just how close the FBI was to one of the terrorists. Not only had the FBI been monitoring him for years, there was an undercover agent right behind him when the first shots were fired. How did this story come about, Steve? I mean, talk, take us through the process of how a, an independent producer like yourself gets involved in producing a piece for 60 Minutes. Well, I had been a staff producer in the 90s on 60 Minutes, back in the days when Mike Wallace, Ed Bradley, all the big guys were there. And um, I kept the relationship up with the program through the years. Uh, 60 Minutes 2 had some pieces on. But particularly, I kept the relationship up with a guy named Jeff Fager, who's a mentor of mine who I worked with when I was a kid 25, 35 years ago at CBS News. And through the years, we stayed in touch, and he guided me uh, a lot. He was one of the guys that taught me how to do all this. So when I get a story, he always encouraged me, bring it in, Steve. Let me take a look at it. Most of the time, he says no. It's very difficult to pitch a story to 60 Minutes from the outside. They have a staff of producers. They don't need me or anybody else. But when you bring them a lead story, that's what they need. They don't need me to bring them a feature story about something nice and cute and cuddly and everything. They need a hard lead story. So last summer, I have sources that I've developed over the years, many of them in law enforcement, some of them in politics. I was talking to a friend of mine in Texas. He said, "Um, I just met this guy who was the cop who shot the terrorist in the incident in Garland, Texas, two years ago or a year and a half ago at that time, May 215. 
the story is that two guys there was a um, came from Phoenix to a draw the prophet contest. Now, drawing the prophet for some Muslims is offensive and a sin. So, a right wing group um, that is a free speech group puts these things on these contests. Now, this was in the wake of Charlie Hebdo, if you remember in Paris, sure. where they shot the cartoonist. So, she was going to do a draw the prophet contest in Garland, Texas, which had been the scene of a pro-Muslim event some months earlier at this Curtis Colwell Center. They put this uh, event on. The, that famous Gert Wilder guy from the Netherlands came, and the FBI, Garland police were on alert. These two guys hear about this thing and come from Phoenix with six weapons, two AK-47s, a short sort of submachine gun, and three pistols, 1,500 rounds of ammunition, bulletproof vests. They roll into this place. They jump out of the car at one of the checkpoints, start firing, and there's a cop named Greg Stevens who kills them both with his Glock handgun. 14 shots, bang, bang, bang. One security guard got nicked in the leg. That was it. So it was a terrorist incident nobody ever heard of. So my friend had met this cop, and he told him his story. He said, Steve, you got to hear this story. So I called the cop up. My dad was a cop. My entire career, I was a producer on America's Most Wanted. I went down to Columbia to DEA. I could go on and on. I've done a lot of cop stories. I realized that this is a special story. You know, there are a million cops every day who at any moment are called upon to come and act like this. He'd never fired his gun in 37 years. So it was amazing. So I talked to him. I get to get to know each other. I finally say, would you do an interview? He says, yeah, I would. I said, can you ask your boss if you're allowed to? He says, I say, well, the boss says yes. I call up Jeff Fager. I said, can I stop by? I got something for you. I sit down. I pitch it to him verbally. He's like, let's do it. So we begin to research the film. We know that there's a trial in Phoenix, Arizona. We know, therefore, a federal trial where a guy has been convicted of terrorism, that there are hundreds, hundreds of pages of documents that tell the whole story about who these guys were, how they were recruited, et cetera, et cetera. Six weeks into it, cop calls me and says, I can't do it, Greg Stevens. My boss changed his mind. At that time, exact time, we began to get court documents from another case in Ohio with another person. He had been arrested in August, just this past August. In those documents was revealed that there was an FBI agent in Garland on the scene that day. So we're like, wait a minute, this is a bigger story than right. we thought. Long story short, we find out that not only was he on the scene that day, but he was right behind them in a car before they opened fire. He actually took two photos. Yeah, changing gears a little bit, Steve. You know, recently we lost an iconic figure in the news world, Jimmy Breslin. I grew up reading Breslin and so many other great newspaper columnists, uh, Dick Young, Pete Hamill, Mike Lupica. But Breslin was the greatest of them all. I mean, he was a true New York icon. In recent months, you've spent time with him working on a documentary. Can you talk a little bit about that project and how it came about? Sure. There was a woman named Emily Eldridge who was working with our former director of the school here on some projects. And I was working with her, and I said, your name is Eldridge. Hmm, you related to Ronnie Eldridge, because I had worked with Breslin through the years. Every journalist in New York had at some point, because, you know, there's, there was an old saying, the most dangerous place in New York is between Breslin and a camera. I got to know Emily, and I was like, how's Jimmy doing? And she said, not well. I said, maybe we should start doing something with him. And we kicked it around a little bit. And then John Alter, who is well-known to uh, the community here at Montclair State, who lives in town, a good friend of mine, Newsweek editor for 28 years and NBC car, uh, NBC analyst, he ran into her and they started talking about it again. And was like, let's start doing it, you know, because Jimmy was at that time 86 years old. His health was failing. 
So we decided to do it with him and Pete Hamill as sort of these two pillars of journalism. And the story wasn't much as much about a tribute to them as what has happened in journalism in the last few years. And it's mainly the death of newspapers. Because these guys, and there were guys in Topeka, Kansas, and Sacramento, California, or women in, in, in Nevada or wherever, who were local columnists who did reporting and opinion and were sort of the voice and the vent of the common person, the common man. As you know, Tom, better than anybody, they're gone. Newspapers are gone. So what, yep. what's the, what fills in here? What fills in? Well, you know what fills in. Opinion. That's not even based in fact anymore. Right. You know, these cable news people, these uh, right-wing radio guys, left-wing radio guys, everybody. These guys were of the people, Jimmy and Pete. They came from the people. They were from Brooklyn. They were from Queens. So we began to shoot this thing. We just began to shoot it, interview them. We began to interview Woody Allen, Tom Brokaw. Nick Pileggi, the, the, the author of Wise Guys, right. who became, we started to interview them, and we realized we had an exceptional story here. Yeah, I mean, Breslin's column writing, which won him a Pulitzer Prize in 1986, uh, here was a guy who could write like nobody's business. I mean, his stories were so rich and were told in the voice of the people of New York. But he could also find stories where others couldn't. His gravedigger column about Clifford Pollard, the man who dug JFK's grave at Arlington National Cemetery, is a prime example. Um, what made Breslin so special? Well, I think one of the things is, and this is a lesson for all our journalism students out there, is number one, he left the building. He walked out the door. He went. He didn't drive, by the way, so he took the subway or a cab. He, he, for instance, when El Chapo was captured, you know, if, that, if he had been covering that story today, he would have gone up to 180th Street and found an old ex-drug dealer or a current drug dealer and found out how it's impacting the streets in New York, right? As opposed to sitting and talking to people on the phone or researching, he was out the door, number one. Number two is he didn't follow the pack. And the, the piece you refer to, the Gravedigger piece, is the, perfect, the ultimate example of that and is still taught in schools all across America, including this one. We just filmed at Harvey Arnton's class, about, and he's teaching this course. So everybody in the world goes to JFK's funeral. Charles de Gaulle was there, senators, everybody. What does he do? He, gets a, he does a story about the guy who dug the grave. So go the other direction if you're a journalist, right? if you can. So we have a little clip that you guys provided to the Daily Beast. Uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about it. What's in that clip? Sure. Well, we've interviewed some of the top people in the business, and uh, we also shot – we got some intimate footage with Jimmy. I mean, I could listen to stories about Breslin all day long. I mean, it's, uh, he was a big part of my upbringing. The stories about him are really are rich. Uh, I just want to talk about one other thing um, before we draw to a close. The recently you brought some students uh, over to India to work on a project uh, during spring break. What was that project about? Well, we actually went to India and Dubai. And one of the things Dave Sanders and I started to do this when I first got here. I've I've been to 50 countries in the world. I've reported all kinds of stories. I've interviewed Muammar Gaddafi, Mick Jagger, everybody. But we tried to take students overseas when we can on trips. So what happened was I did some. We just had a, a, a commercial air in Times Square last night with the business school. And I, observe, I, I advised them to do this. So I got to know the folks over at the business school. And they said, you know, we have this MBA program that we want to produce a video for to promote it. Do you think you and your students would want to come on a trip? So we ended up going with two of our crack students here, Avery Federico and, and Steve Gauthier. We went and documented these graduate students going to India and to Dubai to learn about international business. And it was an incredible experience for everybody. And uh, India is a just an incredible place with sights, smells, just unbelievable experience. And also, but the key is to teach these students how to 
document a trip like that in an international setting. Every day, get up and do the same thing. You got sometimes different voltage. You got different languages. You got there's all different things. We were riding around in tutsuts, which are these hmm. little motorized motorcycles, filming most of the time. So there's all kinds of rich experiences that these students get when we take them overseas. Well, I look forward to seeing the, the work from that project. You certainly have a lot of balls up in the air, Steve. I mean, including teaching our, our, our TV production students. Um, and Montclair is very lucky to have you. How do you take these experiences into the classroom with your teaching? Well, last year I did a documentary about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton for MSNBC. And I did the Trump one in the fall and the Clinton one in the spring. And during the entire semester, I was in real time explaining to students how this was developing from the initial pitch and budget process all the way through to the finished project. And it happened to time out perfectly. So they got to see the scripting of it, the reporting, the writing, the editing all come together. So I'm bringing it in real time hopefully into the classroom and giving them a real experience about it. I appreciate you taking a few minutes to come by and talk to us. If you'd like more information about this episode of Media Download, you can email us at gm at wmscradio.com or call us at 973-655-3135. I'm Tom Franklin. Thanks for listening.